Let me take a drink and uh, swallow into the microphone. <laughs> Do mouthful mode. Mouthful mode. Mouthful mode on a microphone sounds horrifying. It's just. podcast about all things geeky and possibly dorky he is justin hey and i'm travis and together we're just a couple of nerds a couple of nerds (laughs) just gonna keep extending it yeah it's just gonna get more and more obnoxious (laughs) yeah eventually the whole podcast will just be me it'll be like an hour of me like <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, and then it'll be like, "All right, see ya, <laughs> see ya." So uh, I got to tell you, uh, we recorded episode one maybe two weeks ago. Yep, your top five has been keeping me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's been on the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah, well. You're not the only one who's got some issues, brother. Oh, yeah? <laughs> brother. No, I don't have any, like, huge issues. I mean, I got one, but, uh... Yeah, I'm... What, what, what kind of issues you got, huh? I just... Animal Crossing deserves a place on your top five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, you know, who am I to tell you what should be on your top five, but... Animal Crossing should be on your top five. So, again, last week, well, two weeks ago, last episode, I should say, episode one, you should go check it out. It's on all, you know, platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, I should say, not Apple Music. Are they the same thing? I don't have any Apple. No, uh, no, they're two separate applications. Okay. I'm Pretty much wherever you're listening to this one, you can find that one. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Go back and listen to it. It's entirely about the Nintendo Switch, but we all, we did a we each did a top five games for the Switch, and we had a runner up, and my runner up was Animal Crossing. It was number six, which apparently isn't good enough. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing: is Animal Crossing was my number one. Yes, and my number five, which was. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was your number one. <laughs> it is kind of funny that Animal Crossing wasn't my number five. So, it, like, it would have matched had it been number five, whereas, you know, both our number ones were each other's number five. Right. But I but I had to be a dick and put it, <laughs> and put it at number six. Yeah. Not for nothing. If you would have had it at number five, I probably wouldn't have an issue. <laughs> Because I, I would have been able to sleep at night. Okay, it's on his top five. I, I understand. He's played a lot more games than I have, so there's some games he finds better, but I don't know. Maybe, 
maybe I'm just partial to it because that was the first big release once I had actually owned a Switch. But I I already know I'm in the, the minority of people who don't have Breath of the Wild as either one or two. I think there are a lot more people who have Animal Crossing at number one than a lot of people think, honestly. Because a lot of people did buy Nintendo Switches just for Animal Crossing, so... That's probably the only game they've ever played on the Switch. Some people, and then other people just really like it. I also find it funny that you... I think you have more hours on Animal Crossing than I do. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's... uh. That's why it's number six, because once you get past the uh, the 80-hour mark, it goes all downhill from there. Once... What are you talking about, man? You get terraforming, you can do whatever you want to the island. As soon as I got terraforming, I did a few things, and then I just stopped. Like, I had the, all the power of Animal Crossing in my hands and was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> See you later. My experience is similar. Fuck um... off, Tom Nook. Right. <laughs> I actually have this sign in my plaza that says uh Tom, <laughs> Tom Nook is a cunt because uh <laughs> to bleep that out. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so that is a I have a friend named Jocelyn and uh <laughs> he he has it in his town in the GameCube game, like from way back when. And he like showed us like me and a couple buddies. And I always thought that was really hilarious. So I just like copied it and put it in my square. We don't, you know, we don't condone the use of the C word around here, but I was, I, you know, yeah, <laughs> don't say it. Um, unless you're talking about Tom Nook. Yeah, I, I probably, <laughs> I gotta go back. I wonder if I still have an outstanding loan with outstanding mortgage i think that's another thing that bothers me about that game too is just how expensive everything is how much houses are to upgrade and i don't know i don't and i i never had any luck with the turnips i would like buy a bunch and then i would wait too long and it'd be like you want to sell these turnips for one dollar so you never you never did like any of the websites that are out where people kind of post um how much their turnips are selling for i never did i don't know why i never did but it just felt weird to me yeah probably through the first half of the game i really didn't mess around with the turnips too much but once i did i, I started like going on those websites that would you know it would just be like this person would be like hey my turnips are selling for whatever 200 or so and then you would just enter into a queue, and then when you got to the top of the queue, they would give you their code, and then you would go to the island, sell the stuff, and then that'd be it. I think part of the part of the appeal to that was probably, again, part of the appeal for the game in general was at the time it came out, everyone was at home. So that, that aspect of like you know, going to someone else's island whose turnips are selling for this. It just added to the communal experience. Right. Whereas going back and probably trying to do that today, it's probably not as fun. Yeah, I will admit that that is probably partially why it is so low, because I played it two years later. Yeah. That being said, like, it's still great. 
I still really adore that game, but it probably would have been higher had I had that experience to add to it. Yeah, I don't I don't think that game has to be like beholden to that time. I think right. you, I think that's just a game you can pick up any time and enjoy it, but if you were around at that time, like if you were playing Animal Crossing at that time, it it's an experience that you can't experience today. Yeah, it's an experience say. experience you can't replicate. I mean, but not for nothing, the same can be said for Breath of the Wild, where if you were someone like yourself who got a Switch day one, Breath of the Wild was what everyone was playing. That's true. Was anybody playing 1-2 Switch? (laughs) Actually, the person I went to uh, get my Switch, because I had pre-ordered it and then gave it to him, he bought 1-2 Switch, now that I think about it. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to like this guy less and less. Because, listen, you make fun of the guy buying the Wii U version of Breath of the Wild, <laughs> and then you have the audacity to <laughs> turn around and buy 1-2 Switch. He also kept calling it 1-2 Buckle My Shoe, which I thought was really funny. Okay. He, no, like, that... said it to the guy, to, like, the GameStop employee, was like, I want 1-2 Buckle My Shoe, and the guy was like, what? And he was like, 1-2 Switch. He was like, oh, yeah. Okay, I take back everything I said. That guy's awesome. <laughs> but yeah I... so i rewatched the uh japan youtube live stream event mm-hmm. honestly man i i was like should i go back and play one two switch should i should i see if it's good i mean it might it probably isn't but uh no don't do it no <laughs> i wish they would have just did like the remaster of wii sports yeah wii sports wii sports is hard to top as a pack-in game yeah. Uh, in terms of, like, a non... Like, obviously, probably, like, some packing games are better. Like, I know PS4 had, like, the Uncharted 4 bundle and the Uncharted collection. So, like, those are probably better than Wii Sports. Or, like, even, like, Super Mario World, is, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. Wii Sports, probably the killer app of the Wii. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say... I would agree with that. And I'm really stoked for that uh, Nintendo Switch Sports... Isn't that out? It comes out later this month. Oh, okay. I want to say it's like April 29th or something. I could look it up. I might could. Nintendo Switch. Sports. We like sports. When's it coming out? I had it. April 29th. Oh, nice. How the f- how do I remember all these dumb video game release dates, but I can't remember anything else? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, it sucks that I can't play that game only having a Switch Lite. Yeah, man, why don't you uh, why don't you just go ahead and buy two additional Switches, and then maybe you could maybe you could play Nintendo Switch Sports. <laughs> and, then, and you can also lose all your progress for video games really easily. I don't know. I haven't... Okay. While I do want a regular Switch, not one time have I ever been like, oh man, I kind of want to play this on the TV. Not once. Really? Yeah, never. That's, that's interesting. That I, uh... Yeah. I played about half of Breath of the Wild on the TV. I want to play Bowser's Fury on the TV. A lot of games, though, I just play handheld. Uh, I can't wait for you to, to finally play Bowser's Fury. They they could have sold that on its own for $60, and it, it, it probably would have been worth it. It is cool that they packed it in with 3D World. It's kind of lazy to 
to just port 3D World. But you know what? Nobody nobody played it on the Wii U except for me. I was the only one ever. <laughs> yeah, you you and that that guy, that one other guy who had a Wii U who was at GameStop getting Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, me and that guy should have been friends. That guy will never be my friend now because he'll be like, Hey, <laughs> I remember you made fun of me. I'll be like, I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess we got off topic, but we got we each got problems with our lists. All right. Yeah, like I said, they're not big problems. We got pro. We got a problem that we gotta resolve. All right. Like I said, I I imagine. Well, no, I know for a fact I'm I'm in the minority. We got a problem that we need to solve. So Travis, change your list. Put breath, <laughs> put breath of the wild in its rightful place. Okay, so <laughs> I forgot. I let me look up my top five. I forgot what it was. It's, I have a terrible memory. Let me see. Cause I, I I want you to tell me. Okay, so my number four was Luigi's Mansion three. All right. My number three was Mario Kart eight. Two is Super Mario Odyssey. And one is Animal Crossing. I think the case can be made for all of those games being above Breath of the Wild. I can see a case for... uh... So I haven't played Luigi's Mansion, so I don't know. I can't make a case for that. Okay. I could see Mario Odyssey. I could see a case being made for Mario Odyssey being higher than Breath of the Wild, though. Honestly, I could see Mario Kart 8 a case for that. Well, I mean, it's only the best-selling switch game yeah with like 42 million copies yeah freaking wild that's not even including the wii u version they've made they've sold like 50 million units of mario kart and like 40 million units of it is of a port like not even the original game it's it's insane that well i guess it's not really insane because there's just the vast majority of ports that the Nintendo Switch has in its library. But I guess it is kind of crazy that the best-selling game is a port. I mean, if given that Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, two of the biggest... You would think one of those two games. Specifically Breath of the Wild because, like you said, at the launch of the Switch, that was really the only game to play. Yeah, the thing that benefited Mario Kart is it uh, got bundled with the Switch... Or it gets bundled with the Switch a lot. So, mm. that helps it. Breath of the Wild has never been bundled with the Switch. Because it sold like 25 million copies. Right. So, not only is it the best-selling Zelda game ever, but it's like third on the list. or some, Third or fourth. I think it's third. That's honestly, and it not being a pack-in game is an achievement in itself. Yeah. I hate to tell you, Uh-oh. but I believe that once I buy that uh, Lego Star Wars that just came out, mm-hmm. the the Skywalker Saga, I'm pretty sure that's going to bump Breath of the Wild out of the top five. <gasps> <laughs> How dare you? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not, not sorry. So- sorry. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not trying to shit on Breath of the Wild. It's really amazing, but... It's just, I think I, I think I said it in episode one. It's the only Zelda game I've ever played, so there's not that nostalgia attached to it. It's just, it's like a one-off for me. Right. Yeah, I get that. But the same is also true for Animal Crossing. That was the only Animal Crossing game I played. <laughs> yeah, you're counteracting your own argument. All right. No, yeah. but I, I can, 
What? What you say? Nothing. <laughs> well, it looks like this. It looks like this matter won't be resolved, folks. No, like I said, I think it's only going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, eventually Could... it'll be like Breath of the Wild is my fourteenth best Switch game. I don't know. I don't see it ever dropping out of top ten. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Breath Breath of the Wild is, isn't even in my top fifty, bro. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of games. Yes. Speaking Think, of games. Speaking of games, you you just one hundred percent at Kirby, right? I did. I completed Kirby in the Forgotten Land one hundred percent. So I so I think I think we should uh nerd out a bit about it. You wanna nerd? <laughs> we can nerd. You wanna nerd? Let's nerd. Let's nerd <laughs> Alright, so tell me about it, because I haven't played it. I played a few minutes of the demo, but that's it. Just a few minutes, eh? Mm-hmm. Alright, so let me let me tell you a little bit about about my man Kirby. Alright? The Curbster. Is Kirby a man? Kirby I don't wanna think about Kirby as is... <laughs> is Kirby non binary? I don't wanna think about Kirby as anything but a pink puff ball. If I start <laughs> if I start putting labels on him, I'm gonna be like, Ugh. Ugh. Come on. Fair, fair enough. So yeah. Let me just get this out of the way right now. The game is phenomenal. Abs- an absolute joy to play but let me give you some let me give you some facts some history about kirby and the forgotten lamb it was released on march 25th of this year it marks the first mainline game in a kirby series to be fully 3d there have been a couple others like specifically kirby air ride for the gamecube that was 3d but that was a racing game it wasn't a platformer so nintendo released a trailer for this back in september it's really cool that in this era of Nintendo, they've been really good about only showing trailers when the game is pretty close to being released. Like, they're usually good about within the year. The only exception to that is Breath of the Wild 2. <laughs> That's what I'm over here laughing about. <laughs> but, go, but go on. All right, so they released that trailer back in September. Then they released a second trailer on February 9th, and it highlighted mouthful mode. Uh... So usually Kirby is a copy ability. Okay. So if he like inhales an enemy with a sword, then he'll adopt that ability and will have a sword. Or like uh some enemies uh shoot fire, so if he inhales them, he gets that ability. Has that always been a thing? I think actually the first Kirby might not have that. I should also explain that i am not the biggest fan of the kirby series i've only played like a little over a handful six or seven titles and i've only really liked one of them so so anyway let me let me get back to mouthful mode which is an an unfortunate name mouthful mode is where you inhale bigger objects than kirby and he becomes those objects but he doesn't wrap fully around it so like for example he'll inhale a car but he doesn't actually cover the entire thing so like you still see the tires um if it was anything else it would be terrifying but because it's kirby really adorable so is is mouthful mode just kind of an extension of his usual copy mode yep but it's just for objects that are bigger than him that he wouldn't normally be able to inhale yep 
Okay. I thought the game looked absolutely incredible based on the first few trailers. Historically, however, I am someone who is not particularly into Kirby. The last two games I played in the series were Kirby Epic Yarn and Kirby Star Allies. While I found both of them to be aesthetically pleasing, uh, the gameplay left much to be desired, for me anyway. Like, Kirby Epic Yarn is a really just wonderful and beautiful game but it's just really boring to me (laughs) (laughs) the same thing with star allies honestly that was exciting because you could be you could have like multiplayer in it i think you could in epic yarn but it was only two player so that one was a little bit more exciting but not to the point where i was like i played it for like an hour and was like all right well i'm done here uh the only game i've really liked in the kirby series that i've played is kirby canvas curse for the nintendo ds that one is cool because kirby is a round ball and he just rolls constantly and you have to use the touch screen to direct his movement so you can just you know move him forward but you can also do like loop-de-loops basically whatever motion you put on the the touch screen he'll do it Uh, but you also have to avoid obstacles and enemies throughout the levels so i thought that was a really good use of the nintendo ds hardware the touch screen and yeah i really love that game and i've played a couple others like i played i want to say i've played the first one i've played kirby superstar for the snes but none of them really grabbed me yeah so nintendo put out a free-to-play demo on march 3rd and i was instantly smitten uh the gameplay reminded me of super mario 3d world a lot which is another game that i absolutely adore so in the demo there was one stage and then a boss battle uh the stage itself wasn't too hard it was just it was just very adorable it was just a joy to explore the world the boss battle was actually tough like i shouldn't say like real tough but just tougher than i had expected it to be so in my mind going in i was like this is gonna be super easy and then it actually kind of (laughs) wasn't and i was like oh okay this kirby is a this kirby is a little bit challenging huh and maybe i just stink at video games but this game does in fact get very challenging towards the end portion of the game and the post game stuff but yeah like i said it is phenomenal it is so gosh darn cute all the characters, all the environments, everything, just very vibrant, colorful, just a very aesthetically pleasing world. In the first level, you control what is lovingly referred to online as Carby, <laughs> which is a really great name. Uh, and the controls for that are just, the controls for Kirby itself are pretty much a dream, but the car is especially fun. You gotta imagine that Carby is gonna eventually find its way to Mario Kart 8, right? <laughs> oh my god. If it has to if they that is such a good idea put Garby in we should start a petition online yeah let's do that the controls of this the the game are real tight the music is sweeping and grand the first three worlds i would say aren't like too challenging the bosses are kind of but it does offer up challenges along the way I guess, uh, with that said, I should explain how the game actually works. Um, if you don't know, Travis, and listener. (laughs) And listener, just one. That, that, (laughs) that Wii U guy. (laughs) He's like, should I get a Switch? (laughs) Um, so the way the game works is, there's, there's a world. 
uh, I think there's six worlds. And in each of those worlds, there's five to six stages. Each stage holds five challenges. So two of the challenges are real simple. Like one is clear the level. And then the other one is save all the hidden waddle dees because throughout the stage there's some hidden ones. Oh, I should say that's your mission is to save the waddle dees. Gotta save those waddle dees. I feel so weird saying waddle dees over and over. I'm just gonna keep saying it until it's not weird. <laughs> the remaining three. So there's, like I said, there's five challenges per stage. The remaining three are different per stage. So sometimes it's finding a hidden path or an item. A hidden item sometimes you have to beat an enemy without taking any damage so it kind of varies if you collect all the waddle d's in the stage they will open up side missions called treasure roads these treasure roads usually focus on one copy ability or mouthful mode so like there's one specifically for the car there's one specifically for the cone, one specifically for, like, a sword. Uh, later in the game, they kind of, they like I said, it does offer a challenge. So, like, later in the game, you'll get one treasure road where you have to beat the level, and throughout the level, you have to switch to each mouthful mode, which is really cool. Finishing those treasure roads will give you a rare stone, which I'll explain later. And you can also try for a record time. The game is very reminiscent of the 3D Mario series, in which the base game is easy, uh, but collecting everything offers more of a challenge if you're looking for it. I guess doing research for this, I found out that a lot of those, a lot of Kirby games are like that. Like Star Allies has a 100% completion rate that you can get, uh, but that one didn't grab me as much as this one. Stage five or six, depending, is usually designated for a boss battle. The first two aren't necessarily hard, the first one was tough when I played it in the demo, but obviously when I bought the game, you know, in its retail version, I had already played that boss, so I was able to make quick work of him. And the second boss is not really hard either, but the third boss is pretty challenging. That was the first one where I was like, okay, all right, I see what mm -hmm. you're doing. And then it just kind of ramps up from there. Three of the final four bosses are honestly very, very tough. Specifically, the very last boss, I died twice playing against. <laughs> to, to me, you saying you died twice, that, that sounds normal. Because usually when I get stuck on a boss that I think is quote-unquote like difficult, I'm dying like ten times. <laughs> but, that, but that's just how much I suck. I mean, I'm right there with you. Yeah, man, it was really tough. And then I finally beat him, and then the last stage you fight a boss, and then there's another one immediately after. The first one is pretty tough. The second one is not very tough. It's kind of more annoying than it is tough. Then you fight the final boss, which has two forms. The first form is tough, and then the second form is really tough. It's really annoying. There's one attack specifically where he op the the uh, enemy the boss I should say opens up a portal in the sky and uh, asteroids start shooting down at you. So you can see their shadow on the playing field, but they kind of move pretty fast. So you have to like jump out of the way real quick. It is kind of tough. And he's also attacking you while he does that too. So the final portion after you beat the second form of the final boss is mm -hmm. insane i almost don't even i want to tell you what it is so bad but i don't want to spoil it because it's such a... 
<sighs> it's just really ridiculous, and like it's meant to be epic, but it's also Kirby, so it's just ridiculous in itself. Like that, it tries to be so epic and so grand and uh, spectacular. I will. How I would say, go ahead and like issue a spoiler warning. You can go ahead and spoil it for me. Are you sure? Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Spoiler alert. The final enemy opens up like uh like a uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh opens up like a rift in dimensions cuz in the beginning of the game you're pulled to the forgotten land uh through a like rift in dimension. So it's pulled again, but the the final boss is trying to collide Kirby's planet with this planet and destroy both, essentially. So there's, like, stuff flying all over the place. And then a semi-truck drops next to you. And you do mouthful mode on the semi-truck. And then you drive the semi-truck through the air... Like, on buildings that are flying through the air. Like, a building will fly, and you'll, like, jump off a ramp to another one. And you're driving towards the final boss, so you can ram him head-on as semi-truck mouthful mode Kirby. And there's a quick... There's a bunch of quick-time events, so you have to, like, dodge things and, like, press X repeatedly to... Uh, rev your engine to combat the final boss's uh, like laser that is shooting at you. It is insane. That sounds awesome. I cannot believe how cool that ending was. And then, after you beat the game, there is a ton of post-game and side content. So as you collect the Waddle Dees, or as you rescue them, I should say, they start building a hub town appropriately titled Waddle D-Town. Here you can upgrade your copy abilities with the rare stones that you get from the treasure roads. Uh, You can buy food to regain your health, but you can also go to your house and take a nap. And there is a cutscene for you taking a nap. (laughs) And, like, your little companion is, like, sleeping in the bed and is just snoring, like... And then you as Kirby fall off the bed. So, you know, just... Just gosh darn adorable. There's a gotcha machine, like a crank machine, that you can buy Kirby figurines. That's actually part of the completing 100%. You can play mini games. There's like a food serving one. There's one where you tilt a board with a, a Kirby ball, and you have to get it into the final uh, hole without falling into uh, pits along the way. There is a fishing mini game. You can. There's a cinema. Actually, the first thing you unlock in Waddle D Town is a cinema, which like you know their priorities aren't very straight. You don't. <laughs> you don't get a food stand first. You get a cinema, <laughs> and then there's a coliseum where you can participate in different cups, which essentially is just a boss rush mode. There's a post game that I mentioned. It features six stages that take elements from each of the worlds and remixes them. And then there's uh, a variation of the bosses that you fought. And they're all very tough. I've been speaking pretty highly of this game, but there are some nitpicks. Some nerdy nitpicks. I just coined the term that 
are kind of annoying, I guess. So, like I said, each stage has different challenges. Like, there's five per uh, stage. If you don't complete the stages by the end of the level, uh, once you beat it, it shows you what challenges you've beaten exactly, and then it'll reveal a couple of the ones you missed. But it doesn't let you retry the stage immediately, which I think is really annoying because that... If you want me to play the level over again, why wouldn't you just let me retry it from when I complete the level? Um, so yeah, I don't understand that. When do you? So you said that. So when you when are you allowed to go back and replay the stage? So at the end of the level, like I said, it'll show you all the challenges you've done and what ones you've missed. Right. And then you have to you like get out of the level and go to the main world map, and then uh, it'll. Like, your Waddle Dees that you've rescued will uh, get counted towards the stage, and then you have to reselect it from the world map. Which is just, like, an extra step that I think is really unnecessary. Right. Considering, like, if you want if you want to 100% the game, you're going to replay the levels a couple mm-hmm. of times. And it just seems like a poor design choice that you can't just retry it from the end of the level. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) The camera perspective sometimes allows for missteps. It's kind of an isometric sort of view of the level. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the perspective, and you can't change the camera angle, and sometimes the perspective allows you to make mistakes in terms of uh, the depth of the level and where bosses are and where their attacks are coming from. I think the biggest critique, though, is the frame rate drops are very noticeable, but only for background characters. So if there's a character kind of in a distance, if you look at him and you're far enough away, he'll like just kind of chug along in his animation, which is unfortunate. It doesn't take away from the experience, but it is noticeable. But, you know, all that being said, Kirby in the Forgotten Land is easily the best Kirby game I've ever played. Sporting, It sports absolutely gorgeous visual. The title offers an easygoing experience for younger players and those looking for less of a challenge. On top of providing a challenge when wanted, the boss fights in particular are very rewarding and are very tough towards the end of the game and throughout the post-game. I would recommend this to anyone. I think this is a must-play a must-play game for Switch owners. So you know what? I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it four and a half Waddle D's out of five. Okay. Four and four and a half. Half of a Waddle D. A D. All right. So I got a question for you then. Yeah. Think it's better than Animal Crossing? <laughs> do you want me to answer that? Yeah, I do. Yes. <laughs> you just leave. <laughs> That's it. Show's over. Podcast is <laughs> over, bro. <laughs> so Animal Crossing, theoretically, if we were doing episode one today, you wouldn't even bring up Animal Crossing whatsoever. I would bring it up, but it wouldn't it would be number seven. <laughs> oh man. I'm sorry, Travis. This, this, this is like when you watch Rogue One after three years of me telling you to watch it and then you didn't tell me you watched it this is really testing our friendship <laughs> no that that that's totally fine 
I, okay, I, I totally forgot that I didn't tell you. Oh, what a dick. That That's a whole story for another episode. <laughs> but, yeah. No, that, that that's totally fine. Um, I will say, hearing you speak about it, it, it is making it making me want to go out and pick it up because before it was just kind of like one of those games where it's like okay i'll get it eventually but it really wasn't a priority but hearing you speak about it i mean i'm still gonna get lego star wars next but (laughs) i mean that might be the the game after that yeah that's fine so i 100 percent completed it yesterday morning and then last night at work i was like trying to pick a game to play and was like i just want to play kirby but there's nothing to do in it, so... That's weird, because I never... Well, okay, I take that back. I had that experience once. Well, I didn't 100% the game, but I beat it, because I I'd never 100% a game. I don't have the patience. No. But usually when I beat a game, I, I usually completely check out of it, and I just move on to the next thing. The only, the only caveat to that was Infamous Second Son for PlayStation 4. I played that game, beat it, and then immediately started it right back up and played it again. Nah. But that was prob- that's probably more so because there wasn't any other games out for the PS4 at the time to play. Right. Or that I wanted or that I wanted to play rather. Um and I don't know if you've ever played one of the infamous games. I played the first one. Okay. But not enough to really form an opinion on it. Okay. So. But you're familiar with like you can be good or evil. Yep. Yeah, so I just, you know, played it through again, but I did it evil. Are you someone are you someone that leans more towards uh like if the game gives you a decision whether you want to be good or bad, do you lean more towards the evil the first time or you, do you try to go the good route? I'm boring. I try to be good. Yeah, I'm the same too. <laughs> um <laughs> When I was when I was younger, like Knights of the Old Republic, that was like one of the first games I remember being a big deal in terms of that game mechanic where you could be good or evil and your uh, decisions and actions change that. And I remember as a teenager being like, yeah, man, I could be evil because I'm an angsty teenager and nobody understands me. Uh, but now that I'm older, I'm just like, man, I just want to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Can right. I be a good person. <laughs> yeah, and very rarely do I go back through and play as as evil, but for that game I did, and <laughs> objectively I did have a lot more fun being <laughs> evil. But yeah, no, I'm boring. I, I I usually take the nice way. It's just nice. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. Um, I think I'll probably re-download that demo. Because I think I just recently uninstalled it. You should. It takes like an hour. Not even, honestly. The level is really easy to get through. And then you fight a boss, which is kind of challenging. It's challenging in that I was you aren't expecting it to be. And then it is. So you go, oh, all right. Um, but yeah, you should give it another shot. I think it's worth it. Yeah, because I remember... I remember when you texted me and you told me, hey, download the demo. And I did. And I think I played. I played right up to the part where you do the mouthful mode and turn into Carby. Yeah, Carby. And then I was like, oh, man, this is cool. And then I uh, I had to go back to work because I was playing on my break. And then I never revisited it. So I'll, I'll reinstall it and I'll, uh, I'll finish that demo out. I'll probably play it like a year from now. <laughs> hey, you know, 
I made you wait three years to give you an opinion uh, about Rogue One, so I think, I think it's fair. I'll never forgive you for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you want to take a little break and then come back and you got something to talk about. Uh, yeah, let's take a break. All right. See you. Getch Turner. Getch Turner. He's the epitome of the 90s. And we're back. Yay. Back from break. So, we've been pretty heavy on video games, right? We have. Episode 1 was entirely dedicated to Switch, rightfully so. And then uh, that kind of bled into Episode 2. And Episode 0 was about the 3DS and Wii eShop. Right. So, lots of video games being discussed here. And it's obviously going to be a mainstay. It's probably going to be a majority of this podcast, but we are going to try to make this a variety show, right? Yeah, we yeah, we don't just play video games all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I do, but... We're going to try to break that cycle, man. I need to branch out. I need to read a fucking book! Yes, you do, which is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going to talk about books. Because I, yeah. I have this theory. Okay. And I, I want to start with the disclaimer that this theory is probably not original. There's probably somebody way smarter than me who can back it up with facts and statistics and can just probably explain it a whole lot better than I can. But it's this, it's this idea that I've had. So here it is. I believe what that. Is I believe, what is it? I believe that everyone has that one book out there, a soulmate, if you will, that that makes you a reader for life your gateway book as opposed to your gateway drug yeah don't 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 do drugs just just read a, just read a book <laughs> just just read a fucking book yeah okay so <laughs> can you imagine if like a drug program was like don't do drugs read a book people be like what anyway so yeah you think that there's one book yeah that makes people a reader for life yeah i think everyone has that I think everyone has a soulmate out there in the form in the form of a novel specifically. So, all right, here's my story, because I think giving my story will kind of give it some context. I generally don't like subscribe to this idea of like labels, right? Like I'm a gamer nerd, like it's whatever, but I probably would fall into the category of an avid reader. I'm someone who I try to always make it a point to have a book with me everywhere I go. I mean, I have an entire room in my house that's dedicated to my books that kind of serves as a, a library. You got a small library in there, huh? Yeah. Small, yeah, a little, small library? I got a little collection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I probably fall into to that category. But that wasn't always the case. Because for a big portion of my life up until this point, I hated reading. <laughs> It's not something I enjoy doing. I generally just stayed away from it. I attribute a good portion of that. Just looking back on high school, the curriculum that we had, I'm not going to shit on it too much, but... Shit on it. We didn't have assigned reading. <laughs> we did... Okay. I don't recall like having like these big like book reports. Like Okay, so everyone has these books that you hear that like everyone read in middle to high school. Stuff like To Kill a Mockingbird, The Great Gatsby, Of Mice and Men, stuff like that. I don't remember any any of that in high school. I don't remember. So, Go ahead. So I should point out, I went to an accelerated middle school, like elementary and middle school. And so I read To Kill a Mockingbird in seventh grade. 
That that was Project Excel, right? Yeah. That was, okay. I was I was a fucking nerd, and it's also funny because that's when I enjoyed reading when I was when I was younger, which kind of serves to my point, right? Because but you, yeah, you... when I went to high school, I was I was not a very avid reader. I think I read like, well, I'll, I'll get into it, but yeah, when I went to high school, the curriculum wasn't designed to like make you read one book, with the exception of a couple times, but yeah. I guess I guess I should say for context, we did go to the same high school at different periods. So it's not like this is just an experience only I had, right? You you experienced some of it too. But when I look back, I at- just, hold on. Let me interrupt you. Go ahead. I just want to point out that me being like, actually, I read that in seventh grade. I went to a smart school. Is like I really to- pretentious and. <laughs> I totally didn't take it that way at all. <laughs> I apologize for coming off pretentious, oh, but no. yeah, go ahead. Oh, you're good, smarty pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so pretty much in high school, the only time I remember like reading being a thing would be like, you got your history textbook, read chapter five and then answer the questions at the end. And that'd be it. And there were a few instances where like the whole class would have the book at their desk and it'd be like, okay, he reads a chapter, then you read a chapter and then you read a chapter. And I feel like in that setting in high school, like when someone else is reading, I'm not keeping along with what they're reading. I'm trying to like map out when it's going to be my turn to read and I'm going to read. <laughs> I'm just going to wait till it gets to that point and then I'm going to read and then I'm going to, you know, phase out again. I'm not going to pay attention. Yeah, I do remember. I think I read Frankenstein in 11th or 12th grade, but that was like the only time where I read a book, like a book was specifically required for the curriculum of the class that I was in that mm-hmm. wasn't the textbook. But yeah, I think a majority of the students just didn't care. Yeah. About anything. And that probably rubbed off on the teachers after a while. Yeah, but I mean, if you're the teacher, it's your job to make a student care. But not everyone is Hillary Swank, okay? True enough. Um. Anyway... <laughs> I guess I will say to sound pretentious myself, in 12th grade, I was in AP English, and, <laughs> and we had no assigned reading. Well, yeah, you were smart. They were and, like, you'll no. read on your own, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I wasn't going oh, to, because up until that point, I wasn't in, encouraged to read. And it's not, so the reason I wasn't a reader wasn't all centered around high school. There, There are other reasons I'm not going to get into it. But yeah, I was in AP English and we had no assigned reading whatsoever. In fact, the curriculum that that teacher had for AP English was the same curriculum he had for eighth grade English. It's the same teacher. <laughs> same teacher. But I, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> so basically, reading wasn't something that was big or influential in my youth, except like elementary school for like scholastic school fairs. Oh man, those, those things, are yeah. those things were awesome. <laughs> those are the bomb, the bomb.com. They, they should have had those for high school students, but with like more mature books in there, probably would have encouraged me to read. Yeah, they never did have that. No, that that That's was done. That was done after elementary school. No more reading. <laughs> Doing this podcast, us talking about things, like I have these memories that unlock every <laughs> every so often, and I do remember one book being assigned reading and i really liked it but it was in elementary school and that was bridge to terabithia oh wow okay that's funny i've never read that uh, yeah 
Even as a child, I didn't read that. But I watched the movie, so it's the same, right? <laughs> okay, so basically, up until my early 20s, I'm... Well, no. I'll take that back. It was like senior year of high school that I kind of got... What's the word I'm trying to find? Not exposure, but I guess it is kind of exposure. I'll just tell the story. So around the time I was in 12th grade, um, one day I just kind of took my sister to Barnes & Noble because she wasn't into reading. So walk into Barnes & Noble, and I don't know what it is about Barnes & Noble. I think we talked about it on one of our test recordings, but Barnes & Noble just... It sucks you in. You know what it is? It's the coffee. The smell of coffee. And books. Yeah, from it's the smell of books for me. So I remember just, you know, as my sister's browsing, I'm just kind of walking around, checking things out. So your sister, is she like a big reader then? She was. I'm not, I don't know if she is anymore. She, um, but she was, she, she was, she had a lot of books. Okay. Yeah. At that time she was, um, I remember she eventually ended up getting like a nook and yeah, she read a lot, which she went to the same high school too. So I don't know, maybe she had a different teacher I don't <laughs> or, or a different group of friends. Cause that's probably another thing that played a part into me not reading is the group of friends that I had at that time wasn't into reading. Yeah. Y'all were into doing hood shit with your friends. No, no, man. No, man. We were just in sports, sport, sports and girls, man. That was it. Man, you're crazy. in, you're in the girls. Yeah. <laughs> I was, a. Uh... <laughs> I I always think back in my high school days and I think about how much stupid shit I used to do with my friends instead of like chasing after the ladies. It's just like I would just go over to my friend's house and like play Dreamcast and like I'm just like what a loser. But anyway, your sister was a pretty avid reader. I should say I was into girls. The girls weren't into me though. <laughs> Same, bro. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So yeah, so I'm at Barnes and Noble and the atmosphere of Barnes and Noble is just, it's, it's sucking me in. Right. And I just had the thought, I'm like, you know, maybe I'll read, maybe I'll pick up, pick up a book. So I'm really into, to, uh, anything horror, right? I, I love horror novels, any like horror related TV show. That's like my favorite kind of subgenre. So I found my way to the horror section of Barnes and Noble. And this is when they actually had one. Cause for a while there, they just had everything grouped into fiction. And I think now they have it separated again. Okay. So I get over there and you know I start looking at the horror section and ended up and ended up walking out of there with a book. I bought Hell House by Richard Matheson, which if you're not familiar with that author, he's the author who wrote I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. okay. So you know, I go home with my book. I'm really excited and I never finished it, at least at that point. Did you start it? How far did you get into it? I, I got like halfway. Okay. And that would be a theme for me for the next few years because Barnes and Noble, like it's that big shopping center, like right there in town. So if, if you go there to shop for something else, you see Barnes and Noble. It's one of the bigger stores in that shopping center. And I would always find my way in there and I would pick up a few books and then I would start them and then I wouldn't finish them. So that kind of took place over, you know, the next few years. Until 2019, where at this point I wasn't reading at all. Uh, a coworker lent me a book, and it was like a self-help book about like money management or whatever. And at that point, I had just went to another department at work where I was able to take kind of lengthy breaks. And I was also able to kind of sneak and read on the job. So I devoured that book. And that kind of like re-sparked the interest for me. So I... 
I kind of went back to a lot of the books that I had that I just DNF'd. I didn't finish them. I started going back through, I guess, my back catalog. Uh, books I had sitting on the shelf that I bought and didn't finish. And I plowed through them. Do you remember what the first book that you picked up after the uh, the money management book? It was... I do. It was Pet Cemetery. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. Because that, that book... I, DN'd, I I stopped reading it, and then it was just sitting in my locker at work. And it was just, I never made it a point to take it out and take it home. That's actually kind of interesting, because, so the co-worker lent you the book, you read it most, uh, a majority of it at work? Exclusively at work, actually. And then, so you were able to give it back to him, and then you're like, man, I want to keep reading. And then you Had just him. happened yeah. to have uh, that book in your yeah. locker. That's interesting. Yeah. And then I plowed through Pet Cemetery, and it's to date one of my favorite favorite books. And I had a few other Stephen King books um, at home. I think I had that. I had Salem's Lot, The Shining, and Misery. Finished all of those, and I had a few other random books um, from other authors. All horror to this date. That's pretty much all I read is all horror. So then I, I started going to Barnes Noble, buying books here and there. But I would still go through periods where I would go through like reading slumps, right? Because it's it was it would come in waves. Like I would read a bunch and then I would stop. And then in 2019, I finally purchased It by Stephen King. So it was a book that I had wanted to read for a long time, but I was always threatened by the size of it. Because mind you, because mind you, I'm I was scared that I was going to start reading it and then not finish it because of how long it was. But how long is it? It's it's over a thousand pages. I want to say it's around twelve hundred, but it depends on what edition you get. But it, it it's well over a thousand. Okay. So I was intimidated by the size of it. So I would every time I'd go into Barnes and Noble, I'd pick it up and then I put it down. And then eventually, one day, my fiance was just like, "You're not walking out of here without it." So I was like, "Aw, true love." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, I should." And I, I should mention that I have never read a Stephen King book ever. Well, that we're gonna we're gonna change that throughout the oh, course no. throughout the course <laughs> of this pod. I, my mission, okay, my secret my secret uh, mission for this podcast is just to get you to read Stephen King. Oh man! All right. <laughs> no, no, not really. He's not for everyone, but because I'm really big into horror, he's the biggest horror writer. Um, so anyway, I, I bought it along with a few other uh, books. So I didn't read it right away. And then finally I picked it up. And from the first chapter, I was, I was hooked. Like from the first cha- from the first chapter, first page really, I had this feeling that this the experience reading this book was going to be different than that of any other. And I don't know what to attribute that to. I like to just think of it as that was my soulmate book. That was my gateway. Like, because I was technically a reader at that time, but I think with this theory of mine, you have that one book where you cross a line, like, of no return. Right. Okay. And it, pun intended, was it for me. (laughs) It was it. (laughs) It was it. So, <laughs> that's such a funny sentence yeah so i did not at any point of the thousand pages ever reach a point where i, I grew tired of reading it 
I keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't stop reading it. <laughs> right. So to date, it, it's still probably my favorite novel. <laughs> I can't stop. No, I can't. I can't, I can't stop. All right. Like I said, my experience reading <laughs> it <laughs> was just, it was vastly different. And it also kind of holds a special place in my heart, too, because I was reading it. <laughs> what were you reading? <laughs> I was reading it. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was it. Okay. <laughs> I started it in Michigan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are we going to be able to get through this section? <laughs> okay. At least we're not laughing. Like, that is actually funny. Like, we're not like, hoo dukes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's legit funny. <laughs> okay. No more. Get serious. Serious face. Okay. Okay. So I started reading it in Michigan, but I didn't finish it until, at that point, I was in the process of moving down here to Texas. So I, like, I started it in Michigan, but I finished it in Texas. So it, it also kind of holds a special place in my heart for that reason. Yeah, that time period. Yeah. It's a big time of change, and that was kind of uh, a comfort thing, I imagine. Yeah, it's kind of like Animal Crossing, right? Played that during the pandemic. Like, that is stamped to that time period in my life. So it, it holds an extra special place. So here's why it's my gateway book, right? Because before I read it, I would read probably maybe six books a year. After I read it, I now read like 20 to 30. Man, I don't even want to tell you how few books I've read in the last five years. I'll give you a hint. It's less than the number of years. <laughs> so that that's another reason I wanted to bring this theory up. Because I want to help you find your gateway book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking to you more about reading, like, I know you're not doing this. Uh, this is more on my end. But it is like thinking back of how few books I've read in the last five years, or even the last 10 to 15, I'm always, like, mildly ashamed. <laughs> Just like, man, I need to I need to read a fucking book for once. The last book I read was Mystic River, which was awesome. But anyway. But yeah, I guess I will say that I do, I go through these mild, like, reading slumps, and it's usually, like, me hearing somebody talk about reading, or I'll, like, listen to a book-related podcast that kind of, like, it sparks me right back into it, or it jumps me right back into it, rather. I remember specifically, you listen to, uh, or have you, have you ever listened to Chris Jericho's podcast, Talk is Jericho? Sometimes. Yeah, I don't listen to all of them, but... I remember he did have this one episode where him and uh, this other guy gave their top 10 Stephen King books. And I listened to that like right before the pandemic, which is a few a few months after I finished it, I think, if I remember correctly. So after listening to that podcast, it kind of like it sparked me to get right back into reading. And then I remember I went from like owning 15 books to like maybe like 60 or 70 in a matter of a few months. <laughs> wow, yeah, that is a lot. I mean, majority of them I, I picked up secondhand. Right. Anyway, so my theory, right? My gateway book theory. After, like, like I listen to other people. Like, I watch YouTube videos of people, like, talking about books and stuff. And I feel like it it's a similar experience a lot of people have. Like, 
people have like that one book that they hold in this like high regard. And I guess for me, that just came a lot later in life. Some people, you know, for some people, it's that book that they read in high school, The Great Gatsby of Mice and Men, whatever. It was one of them. And just for me, it came much later in life. But like I said, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I I was a late bloomer, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was a late bloomer. You gotta let me fly. I'm a peacock, Captain. You gotta let me fly. (laughs) Anyway, reading, uh, reading it also kind of i was a fan of stephen king but it it, after that it kind of made me almost like a super fan okay i own probably like 80 percent of his books in paperback which is a lot he's written yeah a lot of books yeah i was looking up his uh bibliography it's extensive yeah it was it was astounding how many books how often he released writes and releases books especially like throughout the 70s and 80s i was like oh and not for nothing still still like today he still releases like two books a year that is insane yeah he's a he's a workhorse man but that made me kind of like a super fan of his it's where now i've kind of gotten to the point where i've kind of gotten into collecting uh his hardcovers okay they're not all first editions i don't have a i don't have a lot of them i have maybe 15 but yeah, um, I'm not really sure how to end out this topic, but um, keep reading until you find your gateway book, I guess. <laughs> keep trying. <laughs> and I will say, you also got to find like the genre that you enjoy, because I, I exclusively read horror for the most part, and not everybody's into that. A lot of the books that I really enjoyed, like I want to say like five years ago, I read Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, which is a really good title. I read that book in one day. Like, Jeez. it was like, I want to say it's like over 300 pages or something like that. Um, but yeah, I read it in one sitting, like, was just like enamored by it. Let me, 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 I put Emmy, me, Earl, and a dying girl, uh, book, not the movie. Let's see how many pages, let's see how many pages it is. 295 pages so yeah i read that all in one one day and uh the ending sucked (laughs) but uh are you like one of those people where you get to the end of the book and if you don't like the ending it spoils the whole book kind of it did for a while but then i watched the movie adaptation of it the movie adaptation of the book is actually really really good as well it did kind of help me understand not not understand but just kind of accept the ending better so i like it now okay but at first i was just kind of like i can't believe it ended like that but given the nature of the story um i guess i shouldn't have expected anything else so uh, yeah, but that's more, like, based on a real-life sort of situation. Not, like, it doesn't have any su- sort of supernatural elements to it. It's just a, a life story. So I think I'm more drawn to that. But then again, I haven't, I don't read a lot. So maybe I, <laughs> that isn't the genre <laughs> that will entice me. That will be my gateway book. When I first started reading... I would only be able to read like 10 pages at a time. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to put this down and I'm going to do something else. And that's another thing that changed after I read it. During the course of reading it, 
I've been doing so good. Yeah, I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. I saw your face breaking. <laughs> Over the course of... Don't re- do I would, it. I would re... I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> uh, Over the course of reading the book, I should say, I would read huge chunks, like 30 to 40 pages at a time. And like I said, that's something that... I didn't do prior and not that's that's not to say that the books that I was reading prior to that weren't engaging or holding my attention it was just I don't know I, I have ADHD I guess well you know lots of people have it apparently but yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah allegedly <laughs> allegedly they were engaging but it was just there was always something else that was just grabbing my attention but through the course of reading it it was like I was locked into that book and that's not something that I've experienced with everything I've read since reading it, but um, I will say that it's helped me to to read more, like in one sitting. I should say. Okay. I I do have one book that I did read in one day. Well, it's not super long, but it's a horror story by Grady Hendrix, which which is really good. I would recommend it. It's, it's a really easy read. And it's funny. The book it's shaped like an ikea catalog okay because the book takes like the setting of the book is in and I it's not ikea but it's an ikea okay it's like um, it's like okio okio hold on that might actually be it i want to grab hold on <laughs> hold on hold on I couldn't find it, but yeah, like here it is. Okay. So it's shaped like that. So hold on, I want to look up this name because I think <laughs> I think you might, <laughs> or maybe it's you might have o- just Okiu, since uh, there's different vowels for IKEA. Oh, it's it's Orsk. Ah, uh, well, O R S K. I had the O, <laughs> but you were close. But yeah, so this one, let me see how many pages it is actually. It is 243 pages. Yeah, so I read I read this whole thing in one sitting. Not in, I guess you could say in one sitting. I read it at work, which I wasn't supposed to be doing. <laughs> but I did it anyway. So I read it over the course of an 8-hour shift and flew through it. Nice. That's the only that's the only book that I've read um in one day. But I do I do read not right now, but yeah, right I, now you're in a little reading slump as well, right? I wouldn't say it's a reading slump. It's just being a brand new dad. I, you know, my time is limited. Yeah, that's true. You're busy. Yeah, because the book I'm reading now, um, which I can't remember the the author's name, but it's called The Shuddering. It's really good, but it's just finding time to read it because they, I was told not to bring my book onto the work floor anymore. <laughs> I can't read at work, and then I work nights, so my sleep schedule is terrible. It's not that terrible, but I, I get tired. Did someone so someone snitched you out for uh, reading a book, or a boss caught you reading and was like, "You shouldn't do that." So they didn't actually catch me reading. They walked over to my workstation and they seen my book sitting there, 
and it was like you're not supposed to have it so he didn't tell me to stop reading he just told me we can't have personal items out on the floor should have been like i got a personal item for you and then put your hand in your pocket pull it out gave him one of these yeah you know you know what i really wanted to do because i didn't like that particular supervisor oh and wait like, and again dear listener one of these was a middle finger in case you're oh, yeah. wondering. <laughs> right. What I really wanted to do, because the book that I had out there at the time was, what was it? Uh, Needful Things by Stephen King, which is another thousand plus page book. So it was like, it was thick. I just wanted to take it upside his head. But I didn't, because I don't condone violence. But um, yeah, he's he seen the book sitting there. And uh, told me not to bring my personal items out to the floor anymore. Which really sucked because that's where I did majority of my reading. <laughs> that does suck. But That boss can yeah. frig off. He doesn't work there anymore, so. Well, it looks like he frigged off. And actually now I do have, I do have a new position at this job where I could probably get away with having my book on me and, and reading. So hopefully I'll be able to get... A lot more reading done. <laughs> because I have a huge back catalog of books to read. And I have like a lot I still want to get. I haven't bought like the last the last two books that Stephen King put out. I haven't bought those. And there's a few other that I have like in my uh Amazon save for later cart. <laughs> there's that one that I sent you that has that really cool title. <laughs> Man, fuck this house. <laughs> now that's a book I'm all about. Yeah. I would say that's probably like my favorite of horror. That's my favorite subgenre is haunted houses. That's my shit right there. That's my shit. That's my shit. I've yet to come across a haunted house book that I have not enjoyed. I take that back. I lied. There's one. And oh. I, I, I hate it. Oh, no. I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now. And I I should have I should have known I wasn't gonna like it because it's one of those books that's like written. Okay, so the book is written by the guys from Ghost Hunters. It's co-written oh. by them. The book is called Ghost Trackers. Wait, is Ghost Hunters with that one uh, pretentious guy? Uh, no, that's Ghost Adventures. Yeah, man, that guy is fucking terrible. But he makes he, he makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> I do enjoy watching those shows though. Oh, yeah. Those shows are great. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that guy's name? Zach Baggins. Yeah, Zach, or Zach Baggins. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> There's a stand-up comedian who does this bit about him where he's like, I've been watching this show called Ghost Adventures, and, and like the main paranormal expert is such a fucking asshole. And he's like, this show's been on for 12 years, and they have never found a ghost. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, yeah, that guy sucks. Uh but the you know, show's the show is great though. If you can if you can find a way to to suspend disbelief with those shows, they can be enjoyable. I think sometimes they do find cool stuff though, but I mean, they've never physically captured like a, an entity that's like fully formed on camera that's just like like scaring the bejesus out of little Zach Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i want to see i used to like um 
in the intro to that show how they would they would take a dig at ghost hunters where they would be like we're gonna be locked in this house for overnight with no fancy camera crews following us around <laughs> that's like his whole mo is like yeah like i remember uh in the I was watching it, like, recently, like, within the last six months, and this is where they were filming it when Pandemic was first starting, and -hmm. there was a section where, because Zach Zach Bagans has a museum of all the things he's collected throughout his ghost adventures. The museum is right next door to his house. And he said, we're going to we're going to be spending the night in my haunted museum that I own that's next door to my house. And I was just like, what the actual fuck was the point of saying that you owned your house and this museum? And then they're walking to it and they're like wearing masks. And then this homeless guy is like in front of his museum and Zach Bag- the narration of Zach Bagans is like due to the COVID-19 pandemic or virus, I'm un." unsure whether we should approach this homeless man it's a very scary moment and and like i get it because like we didn't know a lot when this first started but like he was making it to be so much more dramatic than it actually was like if that was me i'd just be like hi man just like literally walk past him (laughs) yeah but you know give him some money you have a lot of money probably give him some money (laughs) i just thought of this uh this topic that we should do on a future episode we should we should, we should talk about our uh, our favorite like early 2000s uh reality shows that didn't age well um because <laughs> reality tv from that time if you go to if you go back to try to watch it now it's it's difficult now let me tell you about I, th- I probably think that most reality TV fits into that category where it uh, just doesn't age well ever. Like, even, like, a year from the the point of it airing, it's like, all right, this is not good. Yeah, but I would argue reality TV from early 2000s is a lot cooler than reality TV now. Let me tell you about the best reality show I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's called Lizard Lick Towing. Let me tell okay. you how you're wrong, and let me tell you why it's Pimp My Ride. <laughs> damn it <laughs> yeah you're right <clears throat> we'll save that I, though we'll save that for a future episode <laughs> I, I always had the thought of making a sideshow called F Yo Ride <laughs> and it would be me and I'd be like hey man you got picked by Exhibit to uh, have your ride pimped uh, he couldn't make it because he's a little busy recording. But uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hook you up man we're gonna put like some dice on the the dashboard we're gonna put a record player in it blah 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 and then like you just take the best part of pimp my ride which is the destruction of the car and <laughs> just do that you just do that <laughs> and then and then you like pull it you t- take a tow truck pull it right in front of their house with a sheet on it and then you're like all right man here's your car and then you drive away and expose their destroyed car and then you're just like f your ride and then <laughs> that's the entire show that's hilarious. <laughs> F your ride coming to no channel ever. Yeah. I could probably I bet somebody would be like, let's try it out. How do we keep going on these tangents? I we told everyone, okay? <laughs> I, I guess we did. <laughs> we are a couple ramblers. I actually think I actually think those would probably be the best parts of the episode is when we just start rambling. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Mike could. Mike could not. 
That is interesting, though. Uh, I haven't found my book that has made me an avid reader, so yeah. I am on the search. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have any advice on how to find it. And just, <laughs> just gotta find them. I guess to completely shit on my topic, everybody's experience is completely unique to them, and maybe they just always been a reader. I don't know. Maybe uh. Maybe you're full of shit, Travis. You ever think about I that? I might be full of shit. <laughs> I, there's, listen, there's a 50-50 chance that I'm just full of shit and that I'm just uh, I'm just somebody who uh, didn't read and discovered reading and that that's it. <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think that, that everyone has at least one book. I mean, obviously everyone has their favorite book, but I think everyone has that, that one book that just kind of changes things. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you might be onto something, especially because you were di- doing some digging online, and it seemed like a lot of people had that similar experience. So I need to read more. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on the prowl, on the prowl for a book. Yeah, maybe it's just a matter of, you know, you taking your book to work and not taking your switch. Oh no, I can't do that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't trying to read that much. <laughs> No, I I really should do that. It's funny because I do have a uh, a book in my backpack, uh, haunting the haunting of Hill House. You gotta at least finish that by October so we can talk about that. Yeah, for spooky season. Yeah, that's one of the um, obviously because reading still being a rather new hobby to me. I haven't reread many books, but that is one of the few ones that I've made it a point to go back and reread. And it was better. Yeah. The, it was better the second time around. Oh, really? That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because you know, uh, you know how it, the end and the plot points and yeah, they probably they probably do a good job of uh, alluding to it early that you don't catch on to. Yeah, um, I think another part is I I picked up on a lot more of uh, m- a lot more detail, I guess, because the first time I read it was I read it primarily at work like out on the work floor because i was driving a forklift at that time so i would just like read it while i'm sitting there waiting for me to pull out whatever i had to pull off the line mm-hmm. so like i'm kind of like reading it but i'm also paying attention to other things whereas the second time i read it i i think i primarily read it at home so i was kind of like locked in and paying attention to it so yeah it was a lot better the second time around but yeah you need to finish that you bought bird box right i did yeah uh so, in one of our test recordings, uh, Travis suggested Bird Box, the novel, by someone. I don't know who, uh, but I bought it, <laughs> and it's sitting on my nightstand. So, eventually, I'll read it. I do want to finish Hill House first. Yeah. Um, so, maybe I'll maybe I'll finish that up and then check out Bird Box. And then, I do have, like, a collection of books. Not a lot, obviously, but... Yeah, unfortunately, unless you discover that you really like horror, I'm not going to be able to help you much, because that's all I read. <laughs> I haven't branched out much. The only, So the only time I don't read horror is if it's a Stephen King book that's not horror. Okay. Pretty much. Huh? I, I have tried to read, like, um, books that are nonfiction, and... Try to read those biographies. They they were more so self help books, I guess. 
Okay. The uh, the experience was not the same. It wasn't as enjoyable. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think. Uh, I, I think, think we've all. yeah. I think we've I think exhausted we... that. <laughs> I think we've spoken a mouthful. <laughs> I think we're ready to wrap it up for today. Well, before we do that, we got to get into our random recommendations. Oh, yeah. So, like we explained in episode zero, so you can go back and check it out. Or you can just listen, because we're going to explain it right now. Right. Each episode, we're going to give a random recommendation. Each of us are. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be anything from a book, a video game, a television series, whatever. We're not beholden to anything. So Yeah. So, sometimes sometimes it can be... related to the topic of the episode or it just might be offhand or something that we're into at the time. It's going to be completely random. Nice. Now that we presented the information, Travis, what is your recommendation for today? My recommendation is going to be a podcast, specifically Books in the Freezer. Okay. So uh, Books in the Freezer, it's kind of... Have you ever seen that Friends episode where Joey and Rachel were both reading each other's books? And I think Joey was reading The Shining. <laughs> you, you, have you seen that episode? I have not. I okay, have not seen so it. there's this part in the episode where Joey gets really scared of the book, so he puts it in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the title of the episode kind of comes from, Books in the Freezer. Because the, the podcast is all about horror fiction. It, it's completely centered around that genre. So essentially, the early episodes of this podcast uh, basically, they take a subgenre of horror. It could be like haunted houses, slashers, you know, any kind of subgenre, and they talk about their favorite books within that subgenre. So, if you're a fan like myself of horror fiction, this podcast it's a double-edged sword because you're gonna get turned on to a lot of good books that you may not have known. The caveat to that, though, is you're gonna have a lot of books that you're gonna want to buy. Yeah. I bet a lot of their suggestions are really appealing mm-hmm. to you. So, yeah. And uh, over the course of, I don't know however many episodes they have to date, but they also do uh, different types of episodes. They have author chats where they have authors come on and it's more kind of like interview styled. They do those. Then, you know, they usually do an episode every year where they talk about uh, their favorite upcoming books for that year, their favorite books that they read that year. Basically, it, it's just, it's all about horror fiction. So if you're thinking about getting into that genre or you're already a fan of it and you're looking for something else to read, I would suggest you check out uh, Books in the Freezer. It could, uh, like I said, it could be a double-edged sword though because you can, you can quickly go broke listening to their uh, <laughs> their recommendations. Nice. So Justin, what do you uh, have? I'm actually typing mine out right now because yeah. I realized. <laughs> I, 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 I see you I, typing. <laughs> So I I was like, I did that, right? And then looked and was like, oh, I didn't. <laughs> Go ahead, take your time. Um, So my recommendation is also a podcast. Nice. It is the Kit and Krista podcast. Kit and Krista are former employees of Nintendo. They worked in the PR portion of Nintendo. A lot of their podcast recounts their experiences with the company and the industry, like in them running into pretty big figures within Nintendo, like Shigeru Miyamoto and a bunch of other guys. But yeah, they always have really interesting sort of stories about uh, behemoths within Nintendo and in the industry. So that's really cool. They also used to host 
a show called Nintendo Minute, like through Nintendo. So it's kind of a similar vibe, but they aren't exclusively talking about Nintendo games. Like just recently they talked about Elden Ring. So yeah, it's like basically if you liked Nintendo Minute or if you even saw it, then this is kind of an extension of that. But, you know, they're not they're not stuck talking about those those kitty games that <laughs> Nintendo puts out. Ugh. Don't you just like dying a lot and uh, being in a really dark and scary dungeon all the time? Well, to be fair, I die a lot in those kitty games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, they have a lot of banter between each other. You can you can tell they're friends that like kind of like to give each other shit. They like hosted their last Nintendo Minute. This is our last one. And like people online were like, it's probably because they don't like each other. And now they're doing like a podcast with each other. So <laughs> it's just kind of funny. So they uh, they talk about games and they have cool stories about working in Nintendo. That's why I recommend it. All right. So after you finish this podcast, we have uh, two other ones that you might want to check out. Yeah, you might. Might could. Finish this one first. Finish this one. And, Stick with and, us. And rate us five stars. <laughs> like, subscribe, uh, <laughs> ra- rate us five stars, download, uh, we're gonna uh, give us money, uh. <laughs> one, one of my favorite YouTubers, <laughs> at the end of his videos, he's always like, like, subscribe, all that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. So now that the recommendations are out of the way, I guess the only thing to say is goodbye. Thank you for making it to the end of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to tweet us how you've been nerding out. You can find us at NerdsClydePod on Twitter, and we're also on Instagram. And just remember, the term nerd is rated E for everyone. Find your passion, embrace it, and be the nerd that you are. Bye. See ya.